everything lost will be renewed Long ago in the garden it was to be Now a dream fulfilled in you and me whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, 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 welcome back once again I've got so much on my mind today that I'm ready to go and just jump right in um, We're going to explore the topic of anointing what it means to be anointed by God, what it means to to um, operate in the anointing. And you've probably heard the word used different times. You may have an idea of what it means, and it may be part of it. But if you've ever listened to people talk about anointing and noticed how it gets used, it gets used in so many variety of ways. And a lot of times it's, it's just good. It's bringing out an aspect because it's actually a topic that, it's not just even one word. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. It's multiple words that are used for anointing throughout the Bible. And if you're really interested in knowing what it means, um, it can be confusing a little bit. It can it can actually seem like, well, I don't even understand that. or Because you hear a lot of times it's being talked about where people are saying, well, I, I need the anointing or I want the anointing or... or that person is anointed or that was anointed and it's used in context that may or may not make sense. Or like I said, you may just simply have an understanding and someone else that I, as I have learned talking with different people have, they may have a completely different understanding of what the anointing of God is about. And you hear, if you've read, read through the old Testament, um, the set, the, when, when God was, was setting up the tabernacle, and there's other places that, but that it talks about it, especially when it's uh, renewing things. But the anointing of God is something that they went through and did a lot of different um, procedures or ceremonies, if you will, about different things to, to to prepare everything. It didn't matter whether it was a person or whether it was something to be used by God. It was anointed, and so understanding this anointing is is something that I believe will empower us. And I've, I've talked with a lot of people recently about being anointed and what that means for us individually, but also it's, it's impossible. It really is. It's impossible for us to do anything for God directly and be used by God without his anointing. We can do good things. We can have ideas or understanding about the scriptures and want to promote the kingdom of God and promote love about God, but it ultimately it doesn't accomplish much of anything. But when the anointing of God is there, when something is anointed or when we are anointed, when we receive the anointing of God, all of a sudden we have the power, we have the capability to accomplish, to do the purposes of God. When before that, we may have had good ideas, but God mingles that with our ideas. It mingles with our, our desire and it brings, now I'm going to bring that out. We'll study some words here in a little bit. Um, but just what is anointing? And there's terms in the, in the scriptures that are, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, I, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I, I read them and, and I get ideas and then I find out like, well, that doesn't make sense. And so I start thinking about it and then I start, um, then you see it all throughout the scriptures and you have this idea, but when you actually begin to look deeper, you find that it, it connects and makes sense. And so one, one of those terms is just being marked by God. Um, being marked by God 
is throughout the scriptures. We see that, especially in Revelation, it talks about God putting a mark on his people. And he says, hold on, don't do anything. Don't, don't destroy these things until I've put a mark uh, on the people uh, that I want to, to be noticed or to be saved. And being marked by God is something that honestly is not so much just about that being protected. It is in the, in that context. That's that's, but I really think that even in those contexts, it means so much more. It's about what God wants to do through those people. And so being marked is something that I've heard my whole life. I, my, my parents prayed for that over their children, over me to be marked by God. Um, is to be to be singled out, and sometimes that might be tough. Sometimes it's tough to be singled out because God, we you know, we just want to be average. We just want to be normal. We want to fit in. We want our life to be just you know having having and, and doing things that make sense that connect with other people around us. But God, when He marks us, we're no longer that. And you see that when David was anointed, when he was anointed to become king, Samuel came and he talked to Jesse and he talked, he interviewed basically all the sons and the spirit of God would not let him anoint any of them, even though they were all men to be recognized as strong as, as somebody who you, you would look to naturally. But then David was the one who was marked. He was anointed and made king before the Lord, even though that took many years to become the king over all of the nation, he was marked. And from then on, his life takes a path, a different place. Uh, you know, he was no longer just the shepherd boy. Um, it became a much bigger deal. And his life was, he couldn't just go back and say, well, I just, I just want to be that shepherd boy on the mountain <laughs> playing my harp and singing to the Lord. No, there was a call. There was a purpose in his life. And this is something that um, I long for it and I pray for in myself and for my children. And I believe that's something that we as parents, <laughs> we, we have to take that seriously. That is something that we instill in our children, but also we call it forth. We, we bring what, you know, what God has in heaven, what he's desired. We, you know, we, we are supposed to say to God and, and declare um, my words are kind of failing to describe it, but that is what, what God tells us to do. So many times we think that it's it is decreed in heaven and then it comes to earth. But the truth is we decree it on earth and it comes. That's, that's the way God designed it. There's an authority in his people. Now, now we can't just do that haphazardly, but there is an authority. That is actually something about maturation, about growing up into God is actually being able to operate in authority rather than just saying something and, and, and then, well, the people of God don't really accomplish anything. But when we actually have it, when we actually walk in that place, we are able to call things forth and with the, because that's what God desires. He has made us, he made us to rule the earth. He made us to have the authority in this physical realm of on the planet earth, that's what we're supposed to have authority over. And that's why Satan tries to undermine it. And from the beginning he did, he, he was able to thwart the rulership of Adam and Eve and become the prince of the power of the air to dominate this realm. 
Jesus, as we know, broke that power. And so gaining that authority is a part of the maturity that we're supposed to be stepping into. And through the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that, that dwells in us, that empowers us, that fills us up. And as we grow up in unto Christ, we can operate in that. So being marked is something that we play a role in for ourselves and also for our family um, and as in ministry as well. You you can call forth an anointing like Samuel did over David. That That is a big part of this. But let's move on to um, being consecrated unto God. Very similar again. These are terms that are thrown out there. Something is consecrated. It is. It has been cleaned. It has been re- refined, removed from commonplace activities. The instruments that God put in the tabernacle, they were not allowed to be used for everyday things. They were only used. They were manufactured. In a lot of cases, they were made, but they were they were cleansed, purified, and then anointed with oil and they were consecrated unto God and the priests went through the same process. And so we, as our, um, in our own life are to be consecrated unto God. And so consecrated in its basic form just means that it is for a special purpose. And I think we, it's, I don't mean this in any way to become a bondage because we do that. We, we take things that God intended for freedom, for empowerment, and we turn it into, oh, well, I just can't do that. That I can't be a part of the everyday life things. That's not it. That is not it at all. It's not that you can't be part of your family's life or getting together, have enjoyment with friends and family. It's that you are called for a purpose and you're consecrated for that. And so you, you don't participate in things without the glory of God. Let me say that again. It's not about not participating in everyday life. God actually desires for us to bring these holy things from the holy place, from the power of God into everyday life instead of the other way around. Instead of us being um, influenced to be less spiritual, to be less anointed, to be less empowered, to be no longer carriers of the anointing of God, and just to be average, everyday, non-spiritual, or even sinful temptations. God wants us to be in it, the ones who are bringing it, so we inject the holy, the power of God into all these different things. So get remember that. That is it's not a burden that we have to be well I can't go have fun. Actually, I love to have fun. Having fun is what I I believe the kingdom of God is about actually on so many levels because you can't have true fun when you're when you are engaging in wickedness, but when you have the freedom of God, you have peace and it rains and you have that abundant life that is filled with the power of God and that's actually so much fun and I don't want to get hung up on that I want to stay on topic but that's what being consecrated unto God is about that things are set apart they're made to be holy and we can no longer just act like things are holy that's a big part we see that um especially when the sons of Aaron when they brought in strange fire, you couldn't just use the average fire. It had to be the fire that God started, the fire God started. And so if we're going to act like we have the spirit of God moving in us, now this is kind of a sidebar, <laughs> side issue here. Um, we can't do that. 
We will bring strange fire with us. We will be operating using just our natural abilities in the name of God, in the name of being anointed. And we will be building fires or altars unto God that are built with strange fire. I don't want to get off on that too far, but yes, that is something that we have to understand in the consecration unto God that we, we, we do not pretend, we do not act like, and we do not just jump into the holy spiritual things as if we are consecrated, as if we are really cleansed and set apart. We must actually live this life. And that's, that's, that's a, a heavy thing because I know many times the temptation is to be like, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and I've done this in the past. I've, but no, you have to be living that life in the presence of God. If you are being carnally minded, non-spiritual, or especially if you are engaging in sinful behavior, when you try to step into the presence of God, you are, in most cases, just not able to. But in some cases, you actually create a dangerous spiritual environment for yourself and when we operate that way, when we do that on a regular basis, we create a pseudo-spiritual place, which, which is not genuine, it's not real. And so that impacts other people who, who are trying to grow and are being ministered to through our actions. They are then stunted. That, I mean, that's probably the most common thing. They just are stunted because we're not operating with true ministry. But also, when we, when we operate that way and we use that as... You know, as if we are operating in the authority of God, what happens is they begin, other people begin to move and operate in that same way, in that same vein of a, a false spiritual strength, of false spiritual anointing. And that's never good. That's always dangerous. And I, it's it's actually something that God wants to eradicate. He's trying to purify out of his people, out of the church. And it's, it's very important, but again, that's a little bit of a side issue. So back to the next one is to receive the unction from God. All right. So we receive the unction from God. That's, that's being under the anointing because you can be anointed. You can be set apart, um, in your life on a regular basis that for, for the purposes of God to be marked by God and consecrated, like we just said. But one of the biggest things that we, that are practical for our life is to receive the unction from God. When we receive this unction, it's it's a compulsion. We are compelled, and I, I, when you feel it, you 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 this can come in many different ways. But you can be sitting there in in a, the presence of the Lord, and all of a sudden, boom! You know that you've got something to do. You can do that. I've done this by myself. I've done this in in worship services. I've done this while in a Bible study. Um, I've done this with when I'm out in public, the unction of God comes upon me. And so the anointing of God to go do something to, to, and it becomes very clear and apparent. And it's a requirement. If I don't do it, man, it's, it's kind of like Jonah (laughs) when God spoke to Jonah and he said to go preach to Nineveh, there was, there was an absolute command that he had to go follow through with this. And that unction, that anointing from God to accomplish something, to go go speak. We don't often we don't even know what it's going to be. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. But receiving that is so important. But especially as it pertains to worshiping God, we. It doesn't matter whether you're a worship leader or not. We are called to receive this anointing in worship, to have the unction to to get 
to the depth, to the next level of spiritual encounters. So we, we are then moved by God to speak, to prophesy, to bring the spirit of God, the words of God into reality right here, right now, so that we can actually receive instructions, in, receive um, deliverance, receive empowerment, receive healing, to um, receive the uh, the unction, the anointing to, to go and speak to people's lives where they are, to bring healing physically and emotionally and spiritually. This is what it means to be anointed. So that's just a kind of an intro there of what it means, what anointing is. And so why is it important to understand this? I know that the average Christian life doesn't seem to operate with this. It, and that's sad. It actually it, it is something that brings me, it concerns me, but also I know that God is desiring to break through. And that's one of the reasons why everything that God wants to do, Satan tries to destroy it, to kill it off to steal it before it even is, is able to be used. So I actually find again and again that in the things that God wants to do, there is, is a big uh, fake or false move or just a simply a, an aversion to it that is placed in the church through attacks from Satan. And so, but why is it important to understand this? Because if we don't understand it, then it will be something that we just talk about. And from time to time, the anointing of God falls on us. More like Saul, King Saul, when the anointing of God fell on him, and he began to prophesy. And they asked, well, is, is Saul one of the prophets? Well, the answer was no, he was not one of the prophets. But David lived a life with the anointing of God, and so he pursued this and operated throughout his life not that he didn't make mistakes, as we know, he, he, he made many mistakes, but he operated after the heart of God, in pursuit of the heart of God, and that his his mind was, was consecrated, his actions were consecrated, he received the unction of God, he was marked, and so we don't want to be in this place, we never want to be in this place where it, we're passive in this. Now, I've, I talk about this a lot of times in different different times. You'll hear me say that God does it does not want us to be passive. Yes, there are things that He does that I can't do. Absolutely can't do. I'm not the one who's making it happen, but I am the one who is preparing a place for God. I'm making the highway, knocking down mountains, raising up valleys to make a smooth path for God to move quickly and rapidly in my life and in. Uh, the world. That is what our job is. We're supposed to make this highway. And we do this in many different ways, but this is one of the, one of the key aspects of how, why anointing is so important. Because if I'm not preparing myself, if I'm not actively knowing that, Hey, my mind has to be consecrated. I have to be actually thinking and dwelling on the things of God so that he can then speak to me so that he can anoint me. He can give me that unction to move forward and otherwise, it only happens on occasion when God really moves in, in a way that is outside of me and I can become, and God, God will use a donkey, you know, he spoke through a donkey with Balaam. 
that God is going to use different things at times to get our attention. But that's not the, that's not the, honestly, it's definitely few and far between. It's not the most common way that God moves, but it's also not what he's after. He's not after moving on us when we aren't, um, or speaking to us, especially through us, when we aren't active participants. That's very key. Understand that we're not supposed to be, you know, that's an Eastern philosophy is that you empty yourself and then you become this, this empty shell that channels something. That's not God. That is not the way the spirit of God works. And I'll, I'll prove that in a little bit as I'm getting ready to go into some of these different words in Hebrew and in Greek, that God is not after just channeling something. He's the point is that he wants to coexist. He wants to join with us. He wants to unite with us. That's the power of God in his anointing. And so let's begin. Let's, let's go into a few different words. Let's start with the Hebrew and the Hebrew word, the Strong's word is, is the, is 4886. Um, Mishak, I guess is how you say that. I'm not very good at pronouncing these words, but it simply means to smear or anoint. It's, it's what, why we, you, if you've ever been in part of different services that believe in anointing with oil, uh, I do. I, I I like it. I think it's a, it's a it's a great illustration, but also it, it's a it's a point of reference. It's a, it's a way to to definitely see the hand of God moving in our life um, and recognizing those those things is very very good for us. But the anointing is always not always a literal oil anointing, but that is what it's it's coming from, and so. I don't, I don't know how to actually mashak or, or however you say the word is, is a simple definition, but this is, this is a word that is used over and over again. And it's, it's about the literal anointing. And so Greek actually has, has another, has a word there. Let's see Greek. Um, yeah, the Greek word, uh, I am not even going to, Alepho. <laughs> that's a terrible pronunciation, but it's, it's a, the Strong's word um, is 218. And it means basically the same thing, to rub or to smear olive oil on the body. But it adds, it, it has more definition to it, which I think is probably embodied in the Hebrew as well, because they used it in that terms, is to use for physical um, anointing, meaning if you have dry skin or you have a wound even because olive oil is so good. You don't want it to be dry and cracked and breaking. It brings relief from pain and it brings healing. And so entailed in this anointing, in these two words in the Greek and the Hebrew is, is to bring the, the healing of God. It brings the, um, it takes something that was damaged or not complete because like dry skin or something like that, it, you, you add to it. So it begins to then heal and become more completely functional. But I don't want to focus on that. Just so much that the, this, both of these words in both the cultures, the, to anoint meant to, to rub oil on or to, to pour oil on. And we hear that you know, the anointing of, of Aaron, like the, uh, the oil that ran down Aaron's beard. When it talks about the, the, um, the love <laughs> and brother and working together in unity and how it's so, it's so beautiful. It's like the oil that ran down Aaron's beard and in his anointing to be the, the priest or the high priest unto the Lord. 
the next word, let's see, the next word I've got here is this, the Hebrew word. It is 1101, and it's a, it's a different word. It, I When I first saw this, I, I was actually, I thought, man, that is so applicable. It is, it is so good because it's a word that can be used in many contexts. And it is used in the Bible in many different contexts, and not all of them are good because but it, it still embodies, it brings out so much about what this anointing is supposed to be. And the word, I believe, is pronounced balal. Um, it means to anoint, <laughs> um, but it's, not, it's used oftentimes not in that, that term. It's used to confound. Um, I actually looked it up. It is, it is a word um, like in when God confounded the languages at the Tower of Babel to um to confuse um or to 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 but that in that context like i said it's it's negative but it's it's not just the word itself is not negative the word means to to fade or to blend to mingle to um to give a or actually temper is another word <laughs> and uh, you know that that's cool because i don't know if you know about, about tempering but tempering is when you take something, uh, you know, like you heat metal up and then you would quickly dump it into cold water. And that process of that quickly cooling creates a hardened or strengthened, an additional strength beyond what that metal, like especially iron, what it had the on its own capability. You sit there and you heat it up and you beat it and you shape it, and then it, but it's still flexible and pliable. But when you do it, it stays in its position, it stays in its form, and becomes resistant to change after that. So when God's anointing, when the balal of God's anointing in our life mingles with us when it when he comes in and like i said that that's what i was just talking about a little bit ago that the spirit of god is not interested in doing these things apart from us god does not operate without our consent that's something that that's a totally different issue but he he doesn't he waits he waits for our hearts now you might think of different situations where god kind of came in and really implemented his authority or uh, you know, like like I use I talked about Balaam, but Balaam still had a choice to a certain extent, other than God was not going to let him actually curse the people. But that's that's different. That's that's God protecting His people as opposed to using us for the anointing of God. And so I don't want to get too too far off on that on some of the questions or ideas. Those are things to explore, and so go go look into them. But God desires to work, to use his creation. He created you to do good works, created us unto good works to accomplish the purposes, his purposes, the good things like that he designed into creation and desires for us to be. We can't do it with, apart from him. And so he anoints us. And the the mixing of him into us is a powerful it's a beautiful thing actually and it also means to overflow <laughs> i love that part of this word because it means to overflow because from that place of being more than what you were automatically means that you begin to come beyond what you are to grow so overflow could mean to grow but also you become 
able to then minister, to reach out, to touch other people, because the power of God, the, the, the usefulness in your life is no longer just the capacity to operate and be self-sufficient, not self-sufficient in an ungodly way, but self-sufficient in the sense that I, you know, I'm strong in the Lord and I'm not needing someone to come alongside me and tell me, um, and, and correct my behavior. The spirit of God is operating in me and I'm able to live my life in peace and harmony with God's ways. And I, and I'm able to operate. It's not just about self-sufficiency. It's about the overflow, the more abundant life that comes out, that flows out. I, I love it. It's so cool. And um, so we've got another Greek word. These are the, um, is the Strong's word 5545, and it is charisma. Charisma is a word that that gets thrown around, and we have the charismatic movement. We have charismatic churches. And for for whatever it's worth, so, you know, some people may not like that kind of thing. I, I personally don't have a problem with with that at all. I think it manifests a lot of good things. Now, obviously, we can have our own natural charisma, and we can use, we can lean on the power of our own gifts and abilities. And so, some people are naturally good speakers, and some people are 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 able to get people's attention because of the way that they behave. That's not what this is really about. That's not what that about. But but it does entail that because, like I just said, the anointing of God comes and He gives us the ability that's to accomplish His work. That's that's the simplest way that I've defined anointing over and over again. Is that anointing is the ability to do what God is telling us to do. <laughs> I say that again. If if we are trying to do what God wants to do, we read the scriptures or we just recognize naturally. We can just see that there's a need and we want to to accomplish the work of God. We still have to have the anointing. We cannot do. To the fullest extent, definitely, but even in any real way, we can't do anything without the anointing of God. And so that is what he wants to do. He wants to come and give us that ability to do the very things that he's calling us to do. And so charisma um, is, a, is a word that, again, means to anoint with oil. Different words because they have different references um, but it's, it's referring to, to teaching ministry of the Holy spirit. Um, it is, you know, we're, we're supposed to be receptive of, of God, but it's it, into the fullness because we have a desire. We have, we have, if our, especially if our hearts, this is not talking about um, selfish desires. This is talking about desires to be used by God, desires to be, to help when someone is blind and their life is being destroyed when someone is is addicted to drugs or when someone is falling away walking a different direction we want to be able to touch their life and we can run in there and we can say all different things and it doesn't help them at all sometimes it pushes them further away but when we have this charisma the power of the holy spirit the, the anointing with the oil of god in our life in our spirit it it brings the fullness of the will of God. The desire of God is able to then be transferred, to be operated, to be built, <laughs> to be put to put into operation. And so charisma embodies that. And we see it 
I see it in my own life. There are many things that I know that I'm not, I'll just testify a little bit. The, the work of God in my life has been very, very powerful. And there's been many times when I wanted to be able to do simple things like, like traveling, um, in, in airports and you're sitting there next to total strangers and I, and I see the needs of, I sense the, the vacuum, if you will, of God's light. There's there, you know, there's darkness or there's emptiness and I want to be able to connect with people. And I remember just sitting there with no words, having nothing to be able to add to him other than just a smile, you know, being a, maybe a bright personality or, or something friendly in this world. And that's good. That's nothing to be knocked. Actually, that's a good thing. We should operate with that, showing the, the peace and the joy of God in our life. That's good. But I wanted more. And so I remember praying and saying, God, I want to be able to connect with people. I want to have, and well, first he started showing me, okay, well then love them actually care about them. Don't just want this because you would like to be able to say, well, I, or, or feel used by God. I don't want to just feel used by God. I want to actually care. So that's what God spoke to me first was to just truly begin to love. And so as you begin to love, you start seeing other people, start seeing what they are doing. (laughs) And from that place, then he began to pour into me, give me this charisma, this anointing, this ability to connect to people, to say things. And I'm not the best. Some people are really gifted at this. I'm not the best, but God gave me that because I asked for it. He anointed me to be able to do that. And he will do the same for you. But again, like I said, it starts, like he told me, it starts from loving other people. And you can't do it if you're thinking about yourself, if you're worried about embarrassment or you're worried about um, just the awkwardness of it. God has, God wants to tear that out of us. That, that has no place. The embarrassment or the, or the shame or the awkwardness, that's not of God. Now, some people would say that's a personality thing. It's not. It, it's not a personality thing. That is something that God's nature wants to be put into us. And that doesn't mean that, that somebody who's a quiet, more reserved person is just going to go around just blah, 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 talking to everybody they see. That's not what I mean. I mean, not being able to connect, not being able to even truly love someone because of a hangup that's in your own mind. That's what he wants to deliver us from. And so <clears throat> a very quiet person, a very quiet person that can be and will be used by God in ways that a very loud person wouldn't be. We need the differences. So I'm not talking about personality things that God put into each one of us to make us unique. I'm talking about things that get in the way. All right. Now, um, another word that is very uh, similar to that is the Greek word. It's uh, 5548 is, is cryo. I, I, you know, I'm not good at pronouncing these words. Um, but it's it's a word that that means again consecrate to or anoint um it's it's very it's part of the usage uh you know that similar to what we see in charisma but it's really has to do with the consecration and i i, I bring out that word again because we i've talked about consecration and i talked about in the old testament that part of being consecrated and set apart, but it's in, this is the Greek side of it as we have the new Testament language being used. And so it, it embodies this being separate, being set apart. And I, I kind of want to bring that full circle that that's what God's calling us to be. We are not supposed to be this normal. We are not supposed to be average. We are not supposed to be, um, 
contaminated. We're supposed to be purified. We're supposed to be refined. The anointing of God in our life is on these levels contingent. If we don't submit our bodies as a living sacrifice to to be holy and blameless and acceptable unto God, then we won't be able to operate in the anointing, in those powerful moments that God wants to pour out his his love, pour out his his compassion, all the different things that he wants to do in us. If we are not consecrated, meaning our life is not set apart, the way that we think, the way that we operate has to be different from the way that we've always done it in, in many cases. Now, that doesn't mean if, if you were raised with spiritual insight and spiritual understanding, those things aren't going to change, but obviously the areas of our life that are common. God does not want us to mix sinful behavior. He doesn't want us to mix um, ungodly ambitions with his purposes. We are supposed to be vessels that are called unto him and set apart to run this race with endurance and passion and desire for him in holiness, completely holy, different, set apart. Now, like I said, this doesn't mean that you don't interact with the world, especially family and friends. I'll bring that out because I know people that are like that. I know that that becomes a question that, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm stern and I'm not, I don't laugh. I don't enjoy things. Uh, you know, I know that kind of is not necessarily what everybody has experienced, but I have, I've seen that. And I know that that, that can happen that we like, well, I'm supposed to be spiritually minded and goofing off and having a good time is not part of God, but it is. When you are injecting, I use that word a lot lately, when you are injecting the power of God, when you're injecting the love of God into these scenarios, what you find is the power of God is manifesting and that is what God is after. He came and walked with Adam in the garden in the cool of the evening. That's a cool thing. I want God walking with me. I want God walking with me in in the evening in the in throughout the the course of my days instead of being so distracted that I miss the divine and I miss the appointments that I have with him and then I'm not empowered. I'm not sanctified. I'm not purified. I'm not anointed. And so when it comes to anointing, I seek this. And we, I talk about this a lot of times when I'm getting ready to, getting prepared to lead worship. I I want to find good songs. I like good music and I, I want songs that are, are anointed. <laughs> I use that term a lot. Anointed meaning that those songs are the unction of God for right then. Um, because there, there, many songs you could pull out, and they're, they're all good. They're, a lot of them are, are straight out of the Bible, and so you could pull anything out. But God wants us to find songs that are anointed, that are have the unction that God wants to bring forth right then. And so I'm not just looking for songs as a worship leader. I'm seeking for the anointing. And so since I've got hundreds of songs that I can choose from that I personally know, it becomes much more about just simply saying, okay, God, what do you want? What is, what is on your heart, God? We are going to get together. We're going to be coming as the body of Christ in whatever capacity, whether it's a New Year's Eve celebration or whether it's a Sunday morning service or whether it's a, a get-together at someone's house. Um, it doesn't matter what type of gathering it is. We are coming. What is on your heart? Jesus, speak to us. What is on your heart? What is the 
purpose that you would have because all the things on my mind don't matter. All the things that I'm engaged in don't matter unless you're there, unless you're in the middle of it, and especially as as it pertains to you leading me. And so in those moments, especially, I want to hear the word of God. I want to hear it speak. I want to hear it spoken through my brothers. I want to be a facilitator that, to bring the charisma, the the um, power of God to, uh, moving through me to be able to function and operate in a way that gets the attention of someone's heart that is needing to hear the word of God. I want that. I want you to come in, Jesus. And so I'll just end this with prayer. Father, we desire you. We need your anointing. I pray that you would use this study, use this conversation to show us where we are missing the mark. <laughs> and I don't mean that in the, the pun of having the mark of God, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to miss the mark of God. I want to be marked. I want to be sanctified. I want to be purified. I want to have the charisma of God in my life. I need it. I desperately have to have it. And I call forth your anointing onto my friends, onto my brothers and sisters in Christ right here, right now, that your anointing would begin to to operate in the bigger picture of being called like David was to be king, but also in the moment, in the right now, to have the unction to be able to speak, to be compelled to, by your spirit, to be compelled to do things, pushed forward. That's what the compulsion of God does. It pushes us forward. So I thank you for these words that you've taught us. I thank you for this time before your throne right here, right now. And I pray that I would come out and that we would come forth with power, with anointing to accomplish what you have given us and what you've called us to do. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, that's it today, guys. I hope this blesses you. I hope you really grab a hold of this and understand the anointing better and can seek after it so that God can pour himself into you. Have a great day, and I will be back soon. Love you guys. Everything lost will be renewed Long ago in the garden it was to be Now a dream fulfilled in you and me 